All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Chris and Amy on KMOX the day before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, you know what that's called? Skanksgiving. Well, tonight for some... is Skanksgiving. Look and... at Ethan. Are you going out, Ethan? No, Ethan's engaged. Oh my gosh, that's right. I'm so sorry. I forgot. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thank you, by the way. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Pat's going to be out for Skanksgiving. A lot uh, of people being out. I know there's some people down the hall, some ladies going out for might Skanksgiving. Might be some people in this room. You don't know. Probably hey, you. So <laughs> He's got to get a call first. Let's talk about Black Friday. Oh, my gosh. I have a thousand tabs open on my computer for these Black Friday deals. Well, guess what? What? This is the best time in the world to do it because on the Quiver River Electric guest line we have the founder and editor at Consumer World, Edgar Dorsky, is with us on KMOX. Good morning, Edgar. Hi, guys. How are you? Hey, we're great. Is Black Friday like your Super Bowl? Uh, It absolutely is. It's the single best shopping day of the year, in my view. Now, it's become a little tarnished, I hate to tell you, because retailers have kind of stretched out what used to be this wonderful single day where you'd line up outside the store at 5 a.m. with all the other crazy people, (laughs) and they've stretched it out for the whole month. So now you don't know when is the best time to buy anymore. It's very frustrating. So, to wait, so you love that five in the morning stuff and running in, the doors open, the door busters, and people are pushing employees out the way to get to what they want? Oh, absolutely. And the idea was to go in the day before to kind of scout yeah. out where they placed everything. Oh, recon. So when the doors open, you could make a beeline, you know, right to the things because, you know, Walmart and Target, for example, would would put the TVs in the the baby food department uh, where you wouldn't expect to see them. But if you knew that, you could, you know, grab it. All that's gone now for the most part. Wow. So, okay, I'm glad you brought that up because we used to know when the best deals were. Now that Black Friday is, is spread out over a month, a week, a couple of days, whatever it may be, um, is there a better time? Because I, I've been getting, I'm going to pick a, a random company, West Elm. I've been getting a lot of emails from West Elm saying that they have expanded their Black Friday deals. And I assumed buying things yesterday or today would not be any better than actually on Friday. Is that not true? It really depends based on the store. I mean, Walmart had a two-part sale this year. Last year was three parts. But this year was two parts. The first part's already over. They had some items on part one, like AirPods, the, the, the second generation, was $69. No one's going to have that price on the sale. And incidentally, the, the, the Walmart sale begins at 3 p.m. Eastern today, online only. They're not going to repeat that. So, again, the trouble is you don't know when to buy. Certainly, Black Friday is a good day. 
Sometimes it's the best day, but it's a lot of guesswork. So what's the best thing for a person to do? Is it, is it still like Black Friday used to be the thing, the number one thing, but is it still like the, the best of everything else? You know, maybe it wasn't what it was, but is it still the best day to get deals? Well, for someone who doesn't pay attention to shopping, okay. uh, it certainly is. You know, if you're someone who just kind of, you know, monitors the price, you know, the particular Samsung TV you want, you know, the model number and you keep checking to see, you know, has it hit your sweet spot? Um, But most people aren't that way. So for for the person who really doesn't pay that much attention, Black Friday is still great. Black Friday week is great. My basic suggestions are you got to get the ads. If you go to a site like blackfriday.gatadeal.com, you can see all the circulars there. You don't have to wait till tomorrow's newspaper to see them. So that way you begin to do your homework. You see the various models of the item you're looking for. You can do some good research by going to websites like Consumer Reports to make sure you're getting, you know, a good quality TV or a good quality electronic item. There's a site called Artings, that's R-T-I-N-G-S. They review televisions and, you know, there are a whole bunch of $199 TVs. I'm not sure those are the ones you'd want to buy, but if you just take the model number, put it into Artings, you'll see the ratings. And, you know, the, the better the rating, obviously, the better the deal, because just getting a low price is no bargain if the item is really pretty crappy. What do you think is the best website to, because um, there are a bunch of sites out there, which I think are really just trying to push particular products that, that pass themselves off as ratings websites, where we, we test every product and we rate which ones are the best. Is there one you like? That, that is really good at, at, um, at, at being objective when rating products. You know, for these sites that say, you know, to, top 10 Black Friday bargains, if you look for the little asterisks, they'll say we get paid a commission if you use the links in, in there. I don't put an awful lot of stock in that. That's why I say you really need to do your homework. Go to specialized sites that test products on their own. So Wirecutter is one of them that's owned by the New York Times, obviously Consumer Reports. I mentioned Artings as as another one. PC Magazine, if you're thinking of buying a computer or laptop, there you get some really thorough reviews. And frankly, don't forget the reviews that are at the end of um, product listings for Amazon and Best Buy and Target. You can get some really good insights by people that have owned that product of some of the quirks that don't come out in the quickie tests that these other authorities use. So the sweatshirt I'm wearing right now is uh, apparently there were some Black Friday deals that started earlier. I bought this last week. It's now $30 cheaper. So I know on clothes you can save quite a bit of money. Is there an industry, whether it is like televisions or cars, automobiles, travel where you would say you know what your best deals might not be around this time avoid this type of purchase on black friday well people are saying you really need to wait for mattresses um you need certainly for winter clothing and for snow blowers things that are kind of peak season 
you're not going to get really great reductions on them. So that type of stuff, you really need to wait. But if you're looking typically for electronics and gifty type stuff, you know, there are small appliances you can get for $5 after rebate. Um, now, there are significant deals out there. But do comparison shopping. And incidentally, the comparison shopping shouldn't end on Black Friday or, or Cyber Monday. Keep looking, because if the price goes down in the case of your top, you may be able to go back to the store and get back the difference under the store's you know, return policy or price guarantee. So there was a story written in Forbes a couple of days ago about uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday and, and kind of along the lines of what we're talking about, that people don't trust them as much anymore, that they are not as they don't know if they're getting the best deals on those days any longer. Um, so if should that mean that you sit it out entirely or or no, would you still want to take advantage of Cyber Monday? Because to me, I'd... absolutely don't don't yeah. sit it out. There's okay. no point. But you can be smarter about it. If you say you don't know it's a good deal because you're not tracking the price, go to Amazon.com. Look for the particular item that maybe you see somebody else advertising, you know, for a price. Then take that URL from Amazon, put it into camelcamelcamel.com. That gives you a price history for the past year. <laughs> camelcamelcamel.com? Like C-A-M-E-L. Exactly. Three, three camels. Um, okay. Oh, I've and, done it. And what it gives you the price history for the past year, so you wow. can then become an expert and see, oh, well, they're charging three ninety nine for this, but I see over the past year there were several times it was two ninety nine. That way, you get a sense: are you really getting a great deal or not? Oh, camelcamelcamel.com. I'm on it now. This okay. is great. This is an awfully specific question, but do you can you remember or think of just like one of the best Black Friday deals you've seen? This time around? Or just any time. Something where maybe it's something that they don't even do anymore as far as discounts. But, yeah, just a, an actual real deal that was an absolute steal. Actually, there isn't one that's, that's coming to mind at the moment. To me, it was certainly the item, but it was more the experience. Mm -hmm. Going out there with all the crazies and, and you know, you plotting camp? your route rushing as soon as the doors open. I grew up in New York, oh, and man. New Yorkers were always, you know, good bargain hunters, and if Macy's would have a great sale, and I'm talking about Black Friday, it could have been Columbus Day, there'd be lines of people outside the door, they'd open. I'm in Boston now, and we had when we had Filene's Basement, it was that same wonderful energy. They'd get all the stuff from Saks Fifth Avenue that's left over, and you go there at 8 in the morning, and the door's open, and everybody rushes in. That was the best part. Do you know, I just uh, read an article in The New Yorker on how the Cabbage Patch Kids craze of 1983 really was the catalyst for the modern Black Friday as we know it. Isn't that interesting? Wow. And, I mean, remember how big that was and how mm -hmm. big Beanie Babies were? Um, you don't quite have that at the moment. And particularly because of online shopping, I discovered several years ago, I used to go out. I've got a Staples right across the street from me, and they'd have some wonderful uh, Black Friday sales. Then the Internet happened. I could sit 
at home in my pajamas at 6 a.m. when the doors opened, order the thing, not have to go outside uh, and stand in that line. And I could see the line of people from my window. Um, And I think so in a certain sense, the Internet ruined the traditional rush on Black Friday itself. You don't see those lines where they're giving out ticket numbers at Best Buy anymore, for the most part. Edgar, did you ever, in all the years that you participated, did you ever get into a physical altercation <laughs> at the store? Now, that would happen in Filene's basement. Filene's basement, you know, you're, you're, you're tugging, and certainly there have been stories in the past when Filene's would have a, uh, a wedding gown sale. All the would-be brides are down there, and they're fighting over the dresses. Um, that was, that, presumably for them, it was, it was frustrating, but also fun at the same time. That's romantic. <laughs> that, that is Just romantic. beating somebody's ass over a wedding dress. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, is, exactly. there any, is there anything that you, any wisdom we should impart to people as we say goodbye here and getting ready for Black Friday? Um, just remember the basics. Don't buy the item and then do your research. Do the research oh first. Gosh. Know you're getting a good item at a good price. And, and as I mentioned, keep checking the price because if it goes down, in some subsequent sale in the next few weeks, you may be able to get back the difference. So uh, it's amazing that you say that, um, Ed, because two years ago we bought Francis Mark scores, which is my mom's puppy. And uh, we bought Francis. I picked him out. And what we did is we bought him and then did the research later because when I gave her this little puppy, um, my mom, this little puppy, I told her that he would grow like a maximum of like 15 pounds, that he was a dog for anxiety, like he would calm you down, and Mm. that he himself was calm, and as it turns out, he is 35 pounds, and he has anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) And there's no return policy. (laughs) But he's so perfect, and I said, see... God had me pick out Francis because I'm the only one in my family who would have done that with zero research. I'm the only one. Uh, but, uh, well, now you've learned your lesson. I've learned my lesson, but Francis is precious. Uh, but yes, do your research first. Edgar Dworsky, <laughs> thanks for the information again, as always. Great, and happy Thanksgiving. Edgar is the founder and editor at Consumer World, uh, joining us here on KMOX. And for what it's worth, the... Cabbage Patch Kids story. It's a new documentary narrated by Neil Patrick Harris. It's called Billion Dollar Babies. Oh, mm-hmm. I just watched the um, the Beanie Babies movie, which is on. Can't remember. Is the name of it? Uh, Don't take off the tag. No, oh. it, but it's uh, uh, Zach Galifianakis. Is <laughs> he's in it? Really? Yeah. So it's a documentary. No. Yeah, yeah, Zach oh. Galifianakis is in it. It's a documentary. Well, that's what I'm a saying. A comedy, then, I guess? If he's Hi, in yeah. it, it has to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but he... Well, I was talking about a real documentary called Billion Dollar Babies, no, and well, you said, there's... oh, I just watched the Beanie Baby one. Yeah, because he, he mentioned Beanie Babies. Edgar did. Yeah, but I thought you were talking about a real documentary. No. No. It's comedy. Text messages 314-436-7900 to this show here on KMOX. It's Chris and Amy. Uh, this from an, from Little John in Dallas. Oh, hey. Who says, uh, this is the radio version of what's going on in every office that's open today, and it's glorious. <laughs> is that an insult? I think I Little think... John, he just insulted us. Did he? Saying, I think he's saying no, we're he said having it a was good glorious. time. Is it the real Little John? Like Robin Hood and Little John? No, he, the he, no, he no, means the Little rapper. John. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Robin Hood's friend. <laughs> 
Well, there's that. Sheesh. <laughs> you like pulled that out on the spot too, like Robin. <laughs> <laughs> and back and forth what the other had to say, reminiscing this and that, and having such a good time. Oodalali, oodalali, golly, what a day! How do you not know that? That's a Robin Hood song. Another texter says, "Y'all have to remember, you wouldn't even be talking about Israel if tr- if Trump was still president." Wait. Well, what? Well, we were just talking about Black Friday, so <laughs> I guess we're not. Anyway. Um, <laughs> hey, guess what today is? We just found this out. Skanksgiving. Well, yes, it's Skanksgiving, of the course. The 60th anniversary of the assassination it is also of that. JFK. But it is also the 28th anniversary of Toy Story. Did you know that? 28 years. Isn't that messed up because that it's almost 30 years I old? I was an adult when Toy Story came out, but even then I would have been 12. I wasn't alive. Well, obviously. Oh, shut up, Ethan. But I was 12. Like, in my head, I was way too old for Toy Story when it came Me too. out. Me I was too. 12, which is old, but not terribly old. Yeah. Because so Toy Story has some adult jokes, you know, like uh, jokes that would appeal I was to adults, I should say. Definitely in high school. Yeah. I was definitely in high school right. for it. I was not like, oh, Toy Story. Which is messed up because now it's like 30 years. Ugh, oh, my God. That's so old. <clears throat> Feels like 10 years ago. You know the best Toy Story character of all the movies? Neil um, Buzz. No, not Buzz. Neil Buzz. Buzz well, I was going to say Neil Armstrong, but I meant Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Buzz is boring. Woody is boring. Okay. The answer is Forky. Forky. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This is Forky. I'm trash. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> he just walks around the whole time saying, I'm trash. <laughs> I love Forky. Oh. You don't like Forky? I, well, I've never seen any of the Toy Stories. You have? Amy. What? I haven't. You haven't seen Toy Story? Mm-mm. I mean, I know all the characters because they're such uh, a... They're such a large part of our iconography as a country. Yeah. So I know Buzz Lightyear and Woody and the girl Woody... And the pig. Yeah, the pig, who was George, um, George Wendt. Wendt. Yep. yep. So I know that, but I've never I've never sat down and watched any of the Toy Stories. I have seen Cars. Cars is, is low-key one of the greatest movies ever made. The original Cars. Do you know I have not Paul seen... Paul Newman was in that movie. Cars. Uh, really? And the, oh, wait, Luke, no, 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 wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait. Paul Newman was alive, and he was the old... What? The old car. I thought Paul Newman died, like... Hold on a second. Mm-mm. So speaking of cars... because no, he was making salsa. He died in 08. Yeah. Okay. I feel like it was a lot longer than Mm-mm. that. Cars Spe- is really good. Speaking of cars, there was this clip the other day that I saw. Um, a caller called into Stephen A. Smith's show, and mm-hmm. they were talking about the goat of sports, and this 21-year-old kid says, but what about Lightning McQueen? He won seven Piston Cups, yeah. and him and Stephen A. proceed to get in a yelling match about how Lightning McQueen is on one side not the goat, and on the other side, the, the kid was saying he was the goat. It was pretty intense. He well, did win seven Piston Cups. He did what in his cup? That's exactly right. <laughs> Guess wow. I should have hooked him up to old Bessie, then took the boot off. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
Was that from something, or did you guys just <laughs> make from, that up? No, it's from Cars because I've Mater. Never seen it. Mater is Larry Mater. the Cable Guy, and they're like, he he's, he's like, he's like, I won the Piston Cup. He goes, he didn't want in his cup. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. It's a great movie. It's it, legit. And then um, Bonnie Hunt is the girl car, the Porsche that falls in Sally. Sally. The Porsche. Yeah. Holy She's Porsche. She's a lawyer. And then uh, and then there's Guido and Luigi. <laughs> Guido. <laughs> Punch me in the face. I have no idea what y'all are talking <laughs> well, about. Well, we should probably move on. But it is. <laughs> listen. Listen, if you are looking it, for it, a family-friendly movie that adults, meaning grandpa and mom, and the little kids will like cars. Do, do you know what I like that really fits into that mold? Uh, Lego movie mm-hmm. and the other subsequent Lego movies. Like, I think they're all really funny. I've not seen any of the I Lego like them. movies. Guess what? What? The Cardinals have made moves. They made it official. They have signed two pitchers. Let's get a national perspective on what the Cardinals have done and what is to come for the St. Louis team as we go on during the offseason. It's Chris and Amy. Jesse Rogers from ESPN joins us next on KMOX. Those guys had high interest in in wanting to be Cardinals, which is always a good sign. Um, Lance has been a part of St. Louis' success in the past. Lance has the ability to eat innings. Lance has the skills to miss bats. Lance is a leader in the clubhouse, and I think our entire team will benefit from that. Kyle. Kyle. Kyle Gibson, also part of the deal. Well, not deal. He signed his own. Uh, Lance Lynn has his own contract as well. Mm -hmm. Cardinals making a couple of moves here over the last couple of days. We are here on the home of the Cardinals, and we'll be covering the offseason as long as it goes on. And uh, we're also going to have Matt Pauley covering the winter meetings, which are going to be happening early next month. But right now, we go to the Quiver River Electric guest line, and we bring in Jesse Rogers, who covers uh, baseball, Major League Baseball for ESPN. And he is with us now on KMOX. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning, Chris. Good to be with you, buddy. It is, it's good to hear from you, my friend. Let's talk about what the Cardinals have done here with these two pitchers with Kyle Gibson, uh, adding him to the rotation, adding Lance Lynn to the rotation. What are your thoughts as you see it from the outside? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to what Mosellock said during the season and at the end of the year about uh, not just adding one or two, but but three maybe. And I think that's the key here. you got to wait this thing out a little bit. I don't think there's any doubt he's going to move up the rotation in terms of looking for a one or a two after filling in basically you know three, four, five at best, right? I know there's some... Question marks about both Lynn and, and Gibson based on last year or previous years, and I get that. And I would have those question marks if they stopped there. But this is the sign of a team that has so much to do on the mound that they wanted to strike early and get something in their pockets, in their back pockets, right, and then go, go after some bigger fish. I don't think there's any doubt about it. If this is all they do in the rotation, then it's a disappointment, I'd have to say. I mean, just look at some of the numbers and the ages of these players um it wasn't the best of years at all especially for lynn i mean gibson was on a winner and and pitched well enough to win on that team but um certainly not in the prime of his career necessarily so i think it's a sign of 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 we need to get some quantity in our back pocket and then let's go after some higher quality so that's really the the thing you listening to cardinals fans or reading what they are saying over the last couple of days is there's there's some 
disappointment. There's also some, well, let's just hang on and and see what happens here. The Cardinals have talked about basically being aggressive this offseason. When you hear about who is talking, who is looking, who is open for business, um, does it sound like the Cardinals are going to be aggressive beyond what they've done? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think that the surplus of outfielders is certainly in play. Maybe something bigger that we don't know about it. You know, Paul Goldschmidt, who knows? Like, yeah, definitely, absolutely. I think Dylan Cease is probably in play. I mean, that, that's a popular name in trade scenarios. Um, you know, would they go to, back to the free agent pool? I'm not so sure if Blake Snell fits or not at a, at a huge price now that Aaron Nola's off, off the table and they signed to. Um, I, look, I get it. Even if they traded for Cease or signed Snell, you'd still say, well, wait, is the back end good enough? You can't just win with a couple guys at the top. Um, so that's where you can question these signings. Um, Lynn had a rocky end in Chicago, a rocky end in L.A., and I mean on the mound and, frankly, in the clubhouse. He was part of that mess in Chicago and certainly didn't help it. Um, and, and Kyle was you know, pretty good in Baltimore, but he's a back-end-of-the-rotation guy. So they better be open for business because even if they make that big move, it may not be good enough. But at least you, you need to, to give it a little wait and see. Maybe there's two more pitchers in their, in their horizon because – you need six, seven, eight to, to really win anything. And um, they were really depleted last year and certainly at the deadline as well. So um, it's it's incomplete right now for the Cardinals, but I, I definitely think they're open for business for, for more pitching. So any inclination on who the Cardinals might be the most interested in when it comes to a bigger name or which big name would be a good fit for this team? Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, Cease would be a good fit. I think that kind of fits the profile there. Um Snell actually does as well in a sense. I think Snell probably wants, probably should be in a little bit of a smaller market per se. Um, you know, in in all respects, I think he would probably do well there. I just don't know if they're going to pay the cost. Um, but I can't tell you who exactly else they're going after. I mean, it was pretty quiet on the Lynn and Gibson front until they signed him. But um, you know, there's there's still plenty out there. I just I think the sign that the idea of them getting two guys before Thanksgiving is the sign that they're ready to do a lot. Like, if they just needed one guy, they would play this out, go to the winter meetings. But when you need multiple, multiple guys, you've got to get a couple in your back pocket. And I think they did that, but I can't tell you who's next. Uh, Yoshi Mam- Yamamoto, who do you think is yeah, is really in play for him? I mean, that's that's one guy that people keep telling us to watch out for. Um, yeah, I should, I, I should mention those Japanese pitchers, Chris. Yeah, uh, Shota Imanaga is the secondary guy. He's 30 years old. Yamamoto is, is 25, both really good. One's going to cost $200 million. The, the older guy is going to cost $100 million in Managa. Um, so expensive pitchers. But, yeah, definitely keep your eye out. Uh, again, hard to, to know what has where he would end up, if that's where you're at, going with it. What, what is interesting, and think about this, and, and I I've, 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 uh, dove into this a little bit with Japanese players, especially the star players, they do seem to be spread out around the league. You don't see them congregating on on one or couple teams and i find that interesting because a lot of them don't speak english and can relate to it a fellow japanese player more and and yet they they don't team up like maybe we see in the nba or whatever you know and it's it's, so it's interesting and so you know maybe uh, the mets have sanga so maybe he doesn't go there maybe there's a process of elimination we should be doing whether it be otani or or these japanese pitchers um st louis you know i guess has lars newbar but you know i don't know if that counts or not but um, in terms of a Japanese star that came over here, uh, but I think that's interesting that they're, that they're, that the Japanese players are kind of spread out throughout the league and not congregated. 
And um, I, I would assume that would continue to be the course, not that, you know, two guys can't be on a team, but I don't know if I'd see three or four on a team. So I think that that's part of it. But I mean, every single team that wants to spend wants Yamamoto. He's that good. He's 25. He doesn't cost you players um, or draft picks or anything. It's just money. And that's enticing to a lot of teams, especially at that age. Well, that was kind of uh, along the lines of my next question, which would be, how much does it matter, if at all, that Lars Newtbar knows Yamamoto from the World Baseball Classic, that they played together, or that I believe Nolan Arenado and him have the same agent? Do any of those things matter? Yeah, they do have the same agent. I, I don't think so. I don't because of what I just said. I think over time, if we had seen Japanese players congregating in a certain part of the country on certain teams, on 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 uh, you know several on one. T- I think that would be more telling. I think it's it's. It, I, I just don't. I don't think it matters. We've seen many Japanese players go to teams with no connection at all, right? Um, so I, I don't think so. Now maybe if you told me they were best friends, that might make a difference. But I'm telling you, something about the culture. I've been diving into this that, especially if there's an older Japanese player and a younger Japanese player, there's some deference there that goes on. And, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Japanese stars are spread out throughout the league. I'm just going to say that. I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but I don't think it's a coincidence that they're spread out and not congregated in a certain area, certain teams, certain managers, certain agency, when you talk about agents, right? So all that, I think, is, is, is not important much at all. Maybe, maybe if all things were equal to come into play, but I, I don't think so. I really don't. Jesse Rogers from ESPN uh, covers baseball, visiting with us on KMOX. Speaking of Otani, there was a report yesterday or maybe the day before, and I had never heard this from a player before. So he's got this free agency. Everybody wants him. Um, you know, he's he's clearly a very hot commodity. But the report was that if a vis- if he visits with a team – and that gets leaked by the team, he will hold it against that team that leaks it. Uh, so how is that going to work? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, I have heard that before. I've actually been deeply involved in something like that. I, I reported on a player during what was called a quiet window. I had never heard of the term before, but there's a, there's a point where you make an offer, at least in this situation, where you make an offer and uh, uh, the team makes an offer, and they did both sides agree on a quiet period where the player can think about it and there's no leaks and there should be no stories. But you can't control the media. If I'm standing outside Bush Stadium and I see Otani walk in there, I mean, I'm going to report it, right? That's not the, that's not the Cardinals' fault unless, there's, unless they didn't follow some protocols Otani set up, right? Yeah. So I think if it can be proven that the team has leaked it because leaks, usually have a purpose behind it. And it sounds like Otani and his people don't want any game playing going on. So um, if, if, if the team leaked it and it could be proven, he'll hold it against them. I have heard that with teams before. There was a deal that almost fell through because of a situation like that. So, yes, but you have to go back and be able to prove that it was the team that did it. Sometimes you can do that. Sometimes you can't. Most teams, especially with Otani, Aren't going, aren't going to take that chance. That is really interesting. I don't. Yeah. Maybe I had heard it before and forgot about it. But uh, to say that, hey, if this gets out, I am going to hold it against you. You would think that somehow another team that is competing for him might find a way to exploit that. I don't know how. I but, suppose. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, but they would have to know. I mean, these right. things can be 
these things can be pretty buttoned up. I mean, let, let's face it. He's meeting with somebody right now, meaning this, at this time of year, and we're not hearing about it. So they're, they're doing a pretty good job so far, at least. So regarding Otani, uh, from what I have understood so far, the two teams that, that might be the most interested, though I'm sure there are others, the Dodgers and the Cubs, how likely is it that he ends up in, in the National League Central? Well, I don't think they're the favorites by any means at all. Um, I'd probably put the Dodgers one, the Rangers two, and maybe even a close two, and the Cubs three. Um, that's the way I'm thinking about it. I, the, again, this is a, a informed speculation. We're allowed to do that, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Seattle. I just have a feeling it won't be San Francisco, probably not the Angels. That leaves to me the Dodgers, the Rangers, the Cubs. I just don't know how far east he would go. If he was willing to go further east, then Atlanta and Boston are probably in play. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume because the first time around, he didn't want to go to the East Coast. He, he doesn't want to this time. He did meet with the Cubs and, and Rangers the first time around, so that's a little informative. Um, I, the thing that I'm assuming about him that, that I've learned and we've all learned is he's pretty under the radar for the face of the league, right? He hasn't spoken to the media since August 9th, he didn't do the conference call after winning the MVP, for God's sakes. I don't know if Wrigleyville is the place to be anonymous. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you can't even drive your car into the stadium like other places. Like, you actually have to walk across the street to get into the stadium, whether you get dropped off or by a limo or drive yourself. Like, I, I, I've been to the Rangers Stadium a lot. You can drive in, you know, right in there, right, never be seen by a fan. Um, and, and Dodgers, you know, it's Hollywood. You can almost hide among the stars in a way. So I'm not sure if that's a, 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 a thing or not. I will say I do think he's more comfortable in his own skin after the WBC and this MVP in, this, in terms of being the face and being in a major market. But that doesn't mean he, he wants to talk to the media or the Cubs TV network daily, right? So I think all of that's going to play a part more than money, and, and that's why I'd rank it uh, Dodgers 1, Rangers 1A, and Cubs 2. But that is – Again, informed speculation. What are your thoughts on Paul DeYoung ending up with the White Sox? Yeah, not not shocking. They have a, sh- a young shortstop, top prospect in the system that's not exactly ready. So DeYoung, a nice stopgap, right? And um, they need all sorts of adults in that room after the last couple of years. And certainly DeYoung is one. Nicky Lopez, who they signed, is another. So not surprised at all. Not surprised at all. Um, I think that'll be an official thing next week. He takes the... Physical Monday, I know you guys know him well. I know him well. Good guy, and that's the kind of guy they need in there, at least for one year. And the other guy we know well, Mike Schilt, is the new manager of the yes. Padres. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I, I don't know internal politics and all that stuff. All I know is what I see on the field. He did a pretty darn good job. I know he really wanted to get a second shot. He didn't like how that ended in St. Louis. He's getting that second shot with a ready-made team. I mean, um, all they do, look, if they go six and five in extra innings instead of 0 and 11, like they did last year, you know, they have a shot. So my point is there's a lot there to work with, and the arrow can be pointing up quickly if he does the right thing. So I'm a fan. I, I, I'm rooting for him. Jesse Rogers, you are so good. Not really, but, you That's know, also thank true. you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, pal. Have a good holiday. Have you, a good one. You too. Yeah. Jesse Rogers covers Major League Baseball for ESPN. So, there's your Cardinals off. It's over. The Cardinals team is ready. Can you imagine? That's not true. It's not I true. I mean, I know people are losing their minds about uh, Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson, but 
if the Cardinals, if, when, maybe I should say when, make a huge signing. I feel like it's, I feel like it's got to happen. Well, something, it, I something. Mean, if they want to be good, good, something significant has to happen from now until February. Has to. So I'm. There's in my Yamamoto. mind right now. There's no chance they're finished, and there's no chance. I shouldn't say no. There's very little chance what they've done is the best they're going to do. No. Do you think so, we're going to get Yamamoto? I don't know. I keep people keep telling me to to watch out for it. I think we will. Mark right. the tape, Ethan. Mark, Mark that the tape. tape. Amy Marks Kors said she thinks Yamamoto will end up in marked. St. Louis. Thank Thanks, you. man. So anyway, uh, and don't forget that Matt Pauley will be covering the winter meetings. He will be there live. So and Mike Claiborne. So will Claves. Claves will be there as well. Um, the winter meetings happen in, I can't do math, two weeks. It's the, the week of December 6th. So our guys are going to be there, and they will tell us if anything happens. And, of course, if anything breaks Cardinals-related, we're going to have it right here on KMOX. Fabulous. I've never seen Doc drive more than 20 miles an hour. I mean, have you ever seen him race? No, but I wish I could have. They say it was amazing. He won three Piston Cups. <laughs> he did what in his cup? What? What? <laughs> That's from a cartoon? That's Cars. That's from Cars? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Like, look at the Cars that cast. Was, uh, it is star-studded. Uh, Owen Wilson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, that was him, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the Wilsons. And then Bonnie Hunt. Larry the Cable Guy. Larry the Cable, Larry the cable, guy, cable is guy is Mater. Doc is played by Paul Newman. George Went, who's always in all of the Pixar movies. George he's, Went. He's Mac. He's the big truck that carts around <laughs> Lightning McQueen. There is a text message. Uh, no, not George Went. John, Rat, John Ratzenberger. Ratzenberger. Oh, also in Cheers. Yeah. He was Mac. Sorry. He, he was, was the Mac. mailman. Uh, Cliff Clavin. Yes, but he was also yep. Mac for Lightning McQueen. Texter says, Amy, there's a channel called Turner Classic Movies. You should watch it and sometime. You should watch it sometime and learn. I don't know what movie That's we're referring to. hilarious because guess what I grew up on, folks? Turner Classic Movies. You did not. Yeah. You were, you were a Nick at Night kind of person. Mm, well, I mean, yeah, we watched Nick at Night, but Turner Classic Movies, which is why I know everybody from Esther Williams to Peter Lawford, uh, Bing Crosby, obviously Frank Sinatra, um, Gene Harlow, uh, who, oh, Greer Garson, man, I I can outname any grandparent right now. I I can challenge any grandma or grandpa. So I, I, would, I know I could outname every movie. I could and an actor and actress from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, but primarily the 30s and 40s were my specialty. Whoever texted in, let's go. Let's anytime, any place, cowboy. I can out old movie you. <laughs> My knees are shaking any over here. Place, yeah. Any time, Listen, cowboy. It happened one night with Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert. I can take you on. I will take you down. I know any old movie. You are the opposite. You're the anti-Ethan. You're the anti-Gen Z. Well, we're talking about how Gen yeah. Z, for whatever reason, doesn't know anything that happened before they were born. Thanks, Ron. Like ever. Um, you know everything that happened before you were so born. What? In fact, you know more about what happened before you were born than what happens now. Yeah, that's 100% true. What I want to know is what were they talking about, watch and learn? I don't know what they're talking about. 
Like, like that's, can you text in and tell me what in the world you actually meant? Well, they also had a follow-up tweet, or this Mm -hmm. was a previous tweet that said, uh, you think a cartoon is one of the greatest movies ever made? Wow. Oh, man, I love these people. Keep texting in. (laughs) Hey. I hope life gets better for you, but keep texting in. Well, they got a point on that one. One of the, Cars is not one of the greatest movies ever made. It is one of the great animated movies. It isn't. It can't it happened be. One I haven't night seen it, and Clark I can tell Cable. you it's not. Laura, you ever watched Laura with no. Gene Tierney? Most old people don't even remember Gene Tierney. I'm telling you, I know old movies from the 30s and 40s like you wouldn't believe. How about this text? Sorry, last, you know, Vincent Price was in I know Laura. who Vincent Price is. He was is in Laura. Because he was in the Thriller album. Yeah, he was also. That's how well, I know who he is. Okay, well, he was also in Laura with Gene Tierney. This date in 1962, this is from a text message, 314-436-7900. This date, 1962, my in-laws got married and celebrating their 61st anniversary today. Unfortunately, their first anniversary was Kennedy's assassination. That must be really awful that you have a big moment. You're celebrating your very first anniversary, and it's the anniversary, Uh, like the president gets murdered. My birthday was the day before, my first birthday was the day before 9-11. So, right there, kind of similar things. Uh, yeah. Not but, the day of, but like, but like you talk about for celebrating firsts. I think about the people right who have birthdays on 9-11 or were, were actually born on September 11th or they have a, a like some sort of anniversary on that day, especially in the first couple of years. I mean, now Terrible. it's been 22 years, so it's almost, right. it's almost so far removed, but you would not want your... <laughs> Like any sort of anniversary or important date in your family to coincide with a tragedy. Ever. <laughs> Deep insight. There. What's your birthday, Amy? July 26th. That is a tragedy for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Kennedy assassination. Oh, my. Oh, my gosh. oh, I love you. <sighs> Texter wants you to name three Gloria Graham movies. Gloria Graham movies. I don't think I can name three. I've never even heard of Gloria Graham. I'm going to see something. So it doesn't doesn't mean anything to me. Final hour of the show and the recap and everything you missed. That oh, is all yeah. coming up. What? Oh, my gosh. Yep, I've seen movies with Gloria Graham in it. Oh, no idea. You yes, could, you, this could be a made-up name for all I know. She was in The Bad and the Beautiful. Oh, no idea what she you're talking was in about. A, it's a Wonderful Life. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to look her up in a second. I bet I know. Is it the blonde? Well. And it's a wonderful life? It's black and white, but yeah, she's blonde. Well, you know if she's blonde in the movie. <laughs> yeah, she's blonde. It's Chris and Amy on KMOX. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.